Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to The World in 10, your daily roundup of the biggest stories from around the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Eleanor Shearwood. And I'm Nick Ellaby. A video of a Ukrainian soldier showing his defiance in his final moments went viral. But how did his mother react? Plus, is there a way the huge US intelligence leak could have been stopped? There's a high from Germany as well. And if you want to understand that awful joke, maybe stay with us for the next 10 minutes. We start today with a horrible story from Ukraine. It's about soldiers being killed on camera. Many of these videos are posted online and show atrocities like shootings, beheadings and even castrations of Ukrainian soldiers. This is being done with the intent of scaring Ukrainians and kind of sapping their morale. But it's actually having the opposite effect. It's emboldening them. One example of this is Alexander Matsievsky. The video went viral in Ukraine. He was killed on camera, uttering a defiant Slava Ukraini, hail Ukraine, before being shot. President Zelensky has given him the country's highest honour. He's now a hero of Ukraine. Catherine Philps interviewed his mother for The Times and her friend, whose husband was part of the same unit and sadly killed as well. I spoke to Catherine and she told me she was most struck by how differently the two women reacted to seeing the video. The mother of Alexander, who was in it, uh, said that she she could never unsee it and that when she closes her eyes now, she sees him falling down the way he did in the video. And the widow of the other soldier, she'd watched it over and over again, trying to see if she could hear her husband's voice in the background. Um, just for some clue of what had happened and just sort of something to grasp onto about what had happened in his final moments. I mean, you see this stuff coming back from Ukraine and it's just a situation I cannot even imagine myself in. Absolutely. And especially when all of that's exacerbated by being at the centre of all of this attention at such a traumatic time. Catherine told me, though, it's been difficult in another way for the widow of Alexei. That's Alexander's friend we were just talking about because she didn't get the same answers about what actually happened to him. Quite a lot of families in Ukraine, you know, still don't know what's happened to their loved ones who are just missing in action, and they don't know whether they've been killed or captured. So, in a sense, you know, they're in this really suspended kind of grief. At what point do you start grieving? At what point do you, you know, give up hope? Catherine's piece is well worth a read. So why not take out a Times subscription? Earlier this month, a huge US intelligence leak made the headlines and it was something we covered quite extensively here on the pod too. The story of Jack Teixeira, a 21-year-old in the US Air National Guard who was arrested for leaking hundreds of documents filled with top-secret US intelligence. 
Now today, The Times is looking into a policy that could have stopped it. It's called the Zero Trust Policy, and it's grounded on the notion that no one, not even you, Eleanor, <laughs> could ever be 100% trusted to keep secrets safe. And the US Navy's chief technology officer said that under it, to share his actions would have been questioned. Now, it's not going to be fully implemented until 2027. And that begs the question, why wasn't this done quicker? Michael Evans has been covering this for The Times, and I asked him whether this was a missed opportunity. The whole concept would have been to not trust anyone uh, at all with classified information and, and to treat everyone as, if you like, as suspects. And therefore, it would, it would actually have transformed and will, I presume, transform the whole sort of security environment inside the Pentagon. This isn't the first big leak. We had WikiLeaks in 2010 that saw 700,000 documents go online. And then again in 2013, the whistleblower Edward Snowden shared classified stuff from the CIA and the National Security Agency. Exactly. And even before that, surely the high-ups were aware that this kind of sensitive information needed massive protection, perhaps more than it was already being given. I put that point to Michael. Ever since I can remember, the Pentagon and Pentagon officials have always said that, you know, we can't do business properly inside the Pentagon and outside unless we trust people to do their jobs as they are expected to do. So if you reverse that and make sure that everyone, as it were, is regarded as being untrustworthy, it's it's a pretty weird sort of policy to have. The Pentagon is reviewing its document security policies. Michael seems to think accelerating this strategy is unavoidable. trip to Germany next, where the government is planning to legalise cannabis on an unprecedented scale. Liberal politicians in the Bundestag are proposing to create a legal weed market there from seed to spliff. Ministers say by the end of the year, over 18s should be able to have three plants at home and carry 25 grams of marijuana for personal use. Now, you might be asking why, and there's a couple of reasons. One of them is, of course, personal freedom. Another, though, is that it would relieve the burden on police. Now, critics of this policy say expensive legal weed won't stop the cheaper stuff being sold on the black market. And they're also worried it could lead to what they call weed tourism. The Times Berlin correspondent Oliver Moody's written about Germany's five-year plan for this, and it starts with a number of pilot zones and private members clubs. Oliver's calling them a kind of Netflix of weed where people <laughs> buy a subscription and will be allowed up to 50 grams a month for themselves. Oliver's saying all this is possible because of a change in attitudes to marijuana in Europe's largest country. For him, the most fascinating thing about all of this is the move isn't driven just by young people. Lots of political scientists will tell you Germany is a fundamentally small C conservative country. It doesn't like radical change. It tends to be very strongly attached to the, the old and established ways of doing things. And yet right now we're in a position where the, the coalition government under Olaf Scholz is introducing a whole bunch of liberalizing social reforms of which cannabis legalization is just one. And I spoke to one Liberal MP, who's been a big proponent of this reform, who argues that attitudes have actually changed enormously in Germany over the past decade and a half or so under, under the Conservative-led previous government. But the, these kind of social shifts were, were pent up by, by a lack of domestic 
reforms. And now that there's a more kind of progressively minded coalition in power, we're finally starting to see those those tendencies come to fruition. England's National Stadium is celebrating its 100th anniversary. Have you ever been to Wembley, Eleanor? Yeah, I went last year for a Harry Styles concert. Is that quite what you were after? Well, yeah, that's part of it. (laughs) I mean, I saw ACDC there before they split up, the ageing Australian rockers. Similar energy. Yeah, somewhat. (laughs) And I've seen lots of football matches as well there. Of course. Wembley in northwest London first hosted football back in 1923. The FA Cup final that year was West Ham versus Bolton and it's known as the White Horse final because the crowd of 200,000 people spilled onto the pitch and had to be pushed back into the stands by a white horse. Now since then, the head of Wembley Stadium, Liam Boylan's, told us how it's attained iconic status. As the stadium started to look and diversify into events, you started, concerts started to come in very late 60s, early 70s. And then you had the other next huge iconic moment in 1985 with Live Aid, you know, and that was just placed on the whole world and everybody's watching. And I think if you ask most people with Live Aid, can they name the stadium in Philadelphia that was was twinning on the day? They probably can't, but Wembley just has that stature. And it's just the most famous stadium in the world. The Times has a great piece up at the moment with lots of maps and graphics about the last hundred years at Wembley and also the different sports that have been there. So athletics, speedway and even greyhound racing. And finally, you've probably heard this already. But we couldn't resist. One more spin for South Korean <laughs> President Yoon suk Yul and his White House karaoke. Fantastic. There was a reception. Angelina Jolie was there. And President Biden knew Yun was a fan of Don McLean's song American Pie, gave him a signed guitar, and you can guess what happened next. We're back tomorrow. Take it away, President Yun. A long, long time ago. Can you still remember how the music used to make me smile? And I knew if I had my chains that I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while. And February made me shiver with the paper I delivered. Bad news on the doorstep.